Welcome to Busy House Happy Home, where you can ask Charlie your home dilemmas and I will help you along with my expert friends so your busy house becomes a happy home. I would like to introduce Hetty this week to the podcast. Hetty and I are going to be chatting all things education. I believe it's so important to have happy children with regards to their education and schooling. And Hetty is an absolute expert in this field. She's got a very varied background. And so Hetty, welcome to this week's episode. Well, thank you for having me, Charlie. Hetty, will you tell us a bit about your background? Because it's very varied. And I think um, that's what gives you this wonderful um, position that you're in with all that you have done in the past to help advise people. Yes. So I think what sort of sets me apart from from, um, other bigger organisations and and other people who do similar things to what I do is that I, I started off as a teacher, qualified as a teacher. I worked in the state sector in London for a number of years. Um, I then actually went and worked for the Independent Schools Council, which is the sort of governing body of the independent schools in our country, um, and uh, worked for them as a parent advisor, which, which meant fielding numerous phone calls from all over the world who wanted to come into an independent school in the UK. My area was actually London, so I spent number of years visiting lots of schools in London, meeting lots of heads, getting to know the independent sector and the very different system that goes on in London. Um, And then um, we moved out to the country, we left London and I went back to teaching. So then I worked in an independent school, in my children's school. um, And um, I also did a lot of work one-to-one with children with special needs. So I've worked with children with dyslexia, with autism, So I've got a really varied experience, which I think parents really appreciate that I can sort of deal with most things. I understand all the different challenges facing parents and families. Um, I've got two of my own children I'm putting through the system. Um, They were at school in a really competitive environment in London and then we moved out to the country. So I've done a change of school. Um, and now we, you know, we've we've had to face the senior school choices. So I've I've faced that challenge. So I just, yeah, I have a varied experience, and parents um, seem to uh, like that I come from that, and I have um, I can chat to them about all things. And I'm a passionate advocate for the for the pre prep and prep schools in our area. I think those early years are really um, really really key for a child's development. Um, I think, you know, the the start of their education is so important. And so, um, you know, it it impacts the rest of their life, really. If they have a happy school and they want to go to school and they're enjoying learning and they've got inspiring teachers, it um, makes such a difference, doesn't it? Yeah, and those early years, um, the early years in school, I mean, there's a reason why they call it the foundation stage because it really is the foundation for everything. And that is where a child... Uh, learns how to learn, they learn how to enjoy being at school, they feel safe, they feel secure, and therefore they thrive. And uh, when you get it right, it's amazing. Um, If things, if there's a little wobble or it goes a little bit wrong, then it can feel really unsettling. And um, as a family, it's very stressful. 
um, you, you sort of doubt your decisions and it's um, and I think it's people appreciate having someone to talk to to talk things through sensibly um, and and find a find a good solution absolutely I think it's really key to have a fresh pair of eyes in a situation sometimes as a parent you you want your children to be really happy but you're too close to the situation and actually getting advice from somebody external can be really really helpful and you can chat it through and look at things maybe from a different angle from a different point of view and get really good sound advice Definitely. Uh, I, I totally agree. And um, one of the other things we suffer from in this country, in this part of the country that we, we both live in, and I work mainly in, uh, my area sort of ranges from Guildford down to the south coast. I sort of head west towards Winchester and east towards East Grinstead. Um, so it's, it's quite a wide area. But, and there are a number of schools. Um, and for those who don't understand or know much about the independent school system in the UK, there people have prejudgments. There are certain schools with sort of the name that people talk about. There are schools that no one's heard of. Um, and for me, it's, I get out and I meet heads and I, and I meet registrars and I, I, I visit the schools and I want to sort of break down some of those preconceptions some people might have. And one family might not have a fantastic experience at a school because something might have happened. But then another family, another family finds it's the most amazing school um, they've ever been to. And so it's sort of breaking down what is appropriate, what, what, what works for you um, and your family and your child. And it comes down to your children. And if it means having three children at three different schools, then so be it. Don't yeah. need to be scared of that. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, I mean, I do find the whole the whole independent school thing quite absurd in the UK. And I think, you know, we've got listeners from all over the world and there seems to be quite a big divide between the state sector and the independent sector. And we used to have grammar schools all over the country. We now they're few and far between finding a good grammar school is, is, is rare. Um, and, and I hate the fact that there is this huge divide. I've been lucky enough to go to school in France and Switzerland, and it's just a regular school that everybody attends. And they have, you know, just th this wonderful um, education that, that's there for all. And then here in the UK, we have this system it comes, down to, so it comes down to money doesn't it it comes down to funding exactly. and if you're if you're lucky you can live in the catchment area of a really fabulous school um and we are quite lucky in in our area so surrey sussex there are some fantastic state schools yeah but you you're spending a huge premium on your house so yeah. actually people sort of toss up do we do we try and live on the best street in the catchment area of the best school and have to pay way over odds for the for our property or should we invest that money in a school and live in a slightly cheaper area but actually spend it on their schooling and it and and it's not right you're completely right it's, it, it is frustrating um so i have clients who are looking for the state sector and and it is that you have to narrow down which infant school to go to then which junior school you need to be in the catchment area for and then if you're really lucky you might get into the amazing 
comprehensive yeah. that you everyone don't know. you don't know but and you it, don't know it's a gamble and then you have you spent one and a half million pounds on a house in a catchment area where there might be 30 siblings that year and you don't get a place yeah. so it's it's terrifying it is terrifying and I think you know those that that can afford the independent sector then have choices as to which school is right for which child and you advise people on that as well don't you exactly um so if you have a you know you might have one of your children maybe exceptionally academic and um and flying at school the other one might be completely obsessed with rugby um and badly dyslexic now um you have at, that pre-prep, <laughs> at pre-prep that's less of an issue you know when they're sort of three four five six um you, you know all, all you all almost parents are looking for maybe not in London, but we're not talking about London here, is a sort of nurturing, pastoral care is high on the list, but then you need to look at the next steps um, and, and what might be right next and, and what kind of school you want next. Do you want boarding? Do you want uh, a mixed co-ed day school? Do you want a highly academic single sex day school? Do you want to send them off to an incredible boarding school? Um, in Scotland, you know, you, you, um, you, and there are appropriate pre-preps and preps that, that sort of prepare, that's why they're called preparatory schools, they prepare your school, your child for the next step. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm there to guide, chat, um, and a lot of my clients either have been living overseas for a number of years and they're coming home and are sort of out of the system, or their first time, uh, um, you know, their first time independent school investors, they, they, they don't understand the system. So some of my clients, I literally just talk about the admissions process because it can seem unbelievably daunting mm-hmm. when actually it's quite simple, really. Um, and, and also, and then the, the other sort of, the third type of client I have are moving out of London, which is a massive market at the moment. All the schools in our area inundated with new registrations from those leaving London post-COVID or changing school post-COVID because the provision did not live up to the fees that we've been paying. Um, It's been a real eye-opener for schools to have their provision uh, analysed by parents back at home and seeing where, where schools might be failing their child. Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. So, it has been definitely uh, some interesting times um, with the whole homeschooling malarkey. I really, oh, really hope uh, that that's behind us because um, it, it it wasn't great for anybody, to be honest. No, no, not at all. But how lucky, you know? Well, how lucky were those of us who were paying for for their education on the whole the provision was fantastic yes and um I think once the schools got their head around it and got geared up after the first lockdown it sort of all they sort of found their feet didn't they I think Um, our biggest problem was we have terrible 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 wi-fi here oh dreadful and I had to put an aerial on the roof so the children could did exactly the same online lessons because I think the biggest stress was and nobody could get onto their lessons and nobody and they were all sort of screaming mama it's crashed again it's like oh my goodness and then um, you've got three different children and you're in one room with one and then something the printer doesn't work exactly. so, uh, you know so we had did exactly the same we put a 4g aerial on the roof because yeah. and my, my we, both me and my husband worked from home so we yeah. were on zoom all day um 
and yeah it just interesting times I break into a sweat running between the three yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and the first few days of, of the whole the whole thing um and I think you know if you're geared up for it it's absolutely fine and we've got you know there's lots of parents that do homeschool their children and and home educate them but they've made that choice and they're they're set up for it and yeah. I think and they're not actually stuck in their houses. When you're homeschool, it's sort of you, right. you sort of think, oh, they're all homeschooling. Actually, they're out at, at homeschooling groups. They're meeting other yeah. families who do the same thing. They're interacting. Yeah. Um, they're socialising. We weren't, you know, none of us had that during lockdown. No, um, and I think, you know, forewarned is forearmed. Um, and, you know, none of us knew what was going to going to happen and how it was going to pan out. So it was definitely um, interesting times. But by the end we of it, we could do it again. We could do it again now. <laughs> now <it's sorted. laughs> yeah, but hopefully now the, print, the printer finally works. Yes, I, I hate <laughs> that printer. <laughs> Ours has got a mind of its own and will connect to some devices, but not others. And I'm yeah. not technically minded at all. So that was that was interesting. I'm so excited that we have a sponsor for our first season of the podcast, popandflow.com. Pop and Flow is beautiful homeware, jewellery, scarves, towels. They just have beautiful, beautiful things. Hannah that runs it brings me joy. Her website brings me joy. It makes me happy. And so I'm really thrilled that they are a sponsor for the podcast. And Hannah has kindly given us a discount code of Charlie10 when you purchase anything from her website. I will leave all the details to popandflow.com down in the show notes. Do take a look because it brings me joy and I hope it will to you as well. I think somebody said to me last term, you're only as happy as your unhappiest child. And that has really stuck with me and resonated because you want your children to be happy at school and getting the best out of it, but not necessarily one school fits all. And we've seen that recently. We've actually just moved our youngest who just wasn't flourishing. And I blamed it on COVID. I blamed it on all sorts of things, but he just wasn't getting the best out of, of school. He wasn't, he wasn't thriving. And so we made made the decision to move him and you know that's quite a tough decision but it's one that actually he seems so happy and settled and it's like he's always been there and so I'm really pleased that we did make that choice but it's not it's not an easy choice not easy it's a very brave it's a brave thing to do and a lot of parents don't do it they don't have the courage to do it uh, because they they don't know where to start and um you know i find that i always try and encourage a family to explore all the options in their current school that you don't want uh, you don't want the upheaval of moving a child it's not ideal they've made friendships they um you know they're settled in in a sort of school so you know explore all avenues open up the dialogue with the head with the teacher the form teacher with their tutor if they have one once that trust has been broken though and if it's completely um, ir irreparable, then you've got to move. You have to, you know, put your money where your mouth is, essentially, and go out, have a look at other schools, keep an open mind, be honest, 
yeah. you know, open up to the to a, the new heads that you meet while you're moving. Yeah. Because if a school doesn't know, if you haven't even opened up communication, so what I what I what, what frustrates me is when someone comes to me and says, "My child's really unhappy. We're moving them. The school's awful. The teacher hasn't dealt with it." Um, and I ask, so, so you know, what have you said to them? Oh, we haven't said anything. Like, yeah. I can't. I can't bring it up with them. You know, no, no, we just want to get them out. We need to get them out. And I'm just like, no, come on. That's not fair. Open up communications. Teachers are incredible, but they're not mind readers all the time. Um, So open up the dialogue, communicate, try and solve, try and resolve the problems. If then you hit a brick brick wall and nothing gets better and you've, you've explored all avenues, then get out, visit as many schools as you can and, you know, trust trust your gut as a parent you know what is best deep down you know what is best um and and you know listen to that gut I think that gut is um so important when you are looking at schools and when you're choosing schools and faced with these difficult decisions um of of where they're going to go and I know that you know not one school will what will suit all all your children for example my brother and I were at the same school for prep school and senior school and my brother is very very academic he's very sporty he had a scholarship he was um, really musical he was head chorister and pretty much captain of every team and I wasn't yeah at all I was just I was sort of very dyslexic which hadn't been diagnosed wasn't really much of a thing in those days those days yeah and I I felt that all the teachers looked at me and were sort of what's happened to you you know my brother was you know really top of everything and then there was little me and it was really tough I remember um the French teacher he was also um in charge of the choir and made my brother head chorister also did drama <laughs> she said to me uh, you are so tone deaf don't let noise come out of your mouth oh my goodness and do you know what Hetty that that is why it has taken me two years to start this podcast because those words have stuck with me for my entire life affected your confidence forever yeah okay I don't have a great singing voice but I didn't dare speak in a French lesson so um you know I was just I was mute yeah absolutely mute I was given all the sort of I was like the back end of the donkey in the place and things like that because she just didn't get me but she completely got my brother he had a wonderful time actually I was very very miserable and so I think actually with our youngest seeing him not not flourishing and not thriving in the way that he should have been um it was it was actually Coco who said to me Coco's um our our middle daughter she said you know mommy he's so unhappy what are you going to do about it yeah and literally that day I did something about it I, I started you know looking at different options having open discussions with the school that he was at and and exploring different avenues for him because it's really important that your children are happy and this podcast is called busy house happy home and if you've got happy children then life is just so much easier when they want to go to school when they want to learn when they want to play sport it is so wonderful as a parent seeing that isn't it you want them to 
and the friendships yeah it's um it's essential yeah yeah and I think also you know when children and both the boys are dyslexic you know and they they do struggle with it they do find it really hard to to write and to get their thoughts from from their head down onto paper and so again I think for my boys it's important that they have as much support with that to give them the confidence to well it's and it is it's all about confidence with dyslexia and it um and it has a knock-on effect not just in the English lessons it has a knock-on effect in in every area in school if you if you're put into the classroom and the teacher's written even just the date on the whiteboard and you know the learning objective for your geography lesson if you if that is a struggle for you to just sort of just process it from looking up to down, you know, there's so much that goes on with dyslexia. It's not just about, you know, muddling your letters up. Um, It's so hard for a child, you know, to know what they're meant to be doing when they're meant to be doing it. And as soon as you get it wrong and then someone might laugh at you, not because they're being cruel, but just because you've done, it looks funny what you've done. And, and that just not, you know, it, it, it can have a real impact on, poor behavior in the playground um you know overly competitive behavior on the sports field um you need to sort it out in in the classroom and 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 not exclude children so it's not about it's not about you know removing them from class for a special lesson once a week yeah that's great that that can that can be good but they need to stay in the classroom for as much as possible and to be able to um access the curriculum in their classroom with their friends in that you know it, there's no point removing a child and shoving them in a little special learning support room for half an hour a week that is not going to help um so it's sort of it, it's embracing it and um yeah celebrating all kind of learning differences and making sure that everyone is learning and is thriving and is growing and um yeah and that getting that support right is teaching them the skills to 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 work around things to make to make life easier and just exactly little things all those strategies yeah Archie was allowed to use a laptop because he really really struggles um my children have all got from me poor things something called Ehlers-Danlos syndrome which is extreme hypermobility and actually they really struggle holding a pencil for long pen for a long period of time and you know so it's making sure that the school is aware of that which then makes you tired which then has a knock-on effect with and if you're struggling with dyslexia you don't want to be tired because (laughs) you've got to work 10 times harder than anyone else yeah um you know, and, and when they're younger, you know, having having sort of picture pictures to, to show what the routine of the day might be, everything, yeah. you know, and making sure that every child in the class can access the, the curriculum and the day in school as well and as fulfilling as every other child, regardless of, of what's going on. Yeah. Um, and, and it's one of the things when I go on school tours, I'm always pick the brains of the senko i pick the brains of the head about what they what provision they have and and you know and it takes a really brave head to say to a family actually no i don't think we can provide the right the right education for your child and so instead of sort of desperately getting bums on seats and oh some more money you know we'll get another child in doesn't matter we'll we'll figure it out when they're here yeah. actually 
really getting to know a family before you say yes to a child registering for the school and the, and and also as a as a prospective parent being really honest not hiding egg site reports and sort of sort of you know um yeah wishy-washy oh yes a little bit yeah. they mentioned a I little bit of mild uh, dyslexia mentioned ed psych reports so there's a educational psychologist, psychologist yes. reports so where if you suspect that your child is dyslexic it's or other things not just or, dyslexia yeah, yeah. yeah. any other, other kind of neuro differences yeah yeah then it's important to to get um your child to an educational psychologist to do an assessment to work out and then they write this amazing report of all all the things that they have found out and then that goes to the school and it goes to um, the learning support department to help your child in the best possible way. Yeah, and a good EdSite report should give strategies, should should also list the strategies that the school can employ to help, because every child is different. You know, yeah. you can't just say in no child with dyslexia is the same. Um, so different strategies for different children. Yeah, and it is expensive to get your child um, to an educational psychologist, but actually it's the best money that we've spent um, with you our- can, On the NHS you can, but there is a waiting list. There is, um, yeah. The whole system, in the state system, it's just a, a much longer, longer okay. journey, which is yeah. not right in any, you know, it's, again, it comes down to funding. One thing I found quite interesting, so I, um, so obviously our children are really close in age. There's two and a half years between the three of them. and. Coco is in the middle and she was she just was finding learning to read really easy she just got it she found everything easy and Archie didn't and I could tell that she was about to overtake him 16 months younger than him and I knew that that would do nothing for his confidence and so I made sure in those early days that we did reading separately in different rooms when they were reading to me and then we I would read you know to all of them and I tried to keep them separate because I didn't want him to pick up on this and I well, see the color on the on the book band you know yeah. she's on red level I'm again yeah and I knew that that just wouldn't do any good for him and I spoke to the school that they were at at the time and I said you know I think there's something going on I'm severely dyslexic and and they, they were like no 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 he's way too young you can't have have him says I think I I can't remember what age they said I think seven or eight but anyway I spoke to um a doctor friend of ours who um is a pediatrician and he said no 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 Charlie if, you, if this is your gut telling you that there's something not right you can get him assessed much younger um and we did that yes, I would say four is probably too you know is the cutoff you know when you when I hear someone he saying they're three that's too young he was um, five um at the time and and we had him assessed and, and you know they picked and then we we needed to have him assessed again you know to check but it was really I was really pleased that we picked up on it early on so I could give him extra time. Yeah. Keep Coco and her. I mean, she debat she reads probably two or three books a week, and he will take a month to read a book still yeah. today. And it is all about confidence and self-esteem. And I think when you've got siblings that are competitive with one another, it's quite you've got to be quite careful. And I think I'm really aware of it because what I went through with my brother. So I've probably got a heightened awareness. But I think um you know, and often Coco will maybe brag about something that she's done and I'm sort of, shh, 
you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. praise her on the quiet without making the boys feel yeah, like definitely. Definitely. And finding a school that is also embraces that that philosophy of yours, too, because being compared, comparing siblings is just so unfair. And okay, school schools have changed a lot since when we were at school and they are on the whole 99.9 percent, you know, better in every regard. Um, But but it's but it does happen. It's hard. You know, it does happen. It's it's human nature to compare siblings and, and you might not mean it. But, you know, most people, everyone says, oh, look, you're, you know, you're taller than your brother now. You know, there's little throwaway comments. Um, and um, yeah, so it, and that is a good question to ask a school when you go on a school visit yeah. uh, is, you know, so it, talk about your, your children and how they differ and how how can you how can you as a school cater for my daughter who's like this and my son who's like this? And if they say, oh, well, we can't because we don't even do rugby, then yeah. you're like, oh okay (laughs) bye-bye or you make the decision and you put them in two different schools um which you know which is not a decision you you know which was never done before but you really you know you can do it now yeah absolutely yeah and do you um do you have how do people find you Hetty how do people get in touch to get you know work with you and and have your get your advice how um well, I have a website. Yeah. I work. I work closely with um, property search agents. So, okay. um, especially in the current market where it's impossible for a house. Um, so people relocating. Um, they, you know, I have a number who will, who will sort of recommend me for schools advice. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, I, people tend to email me, having you know, word of mouth basically. Yeah. Um, and I, I have always yeah exactly exactly um, and I also this year I helped run a moving workshop in London um, which was really successful which myself and uh, two property search um, lady local lo- local um, ladies who are amazing and are in the Guildford area and we went and did a moving clinic which was a free sort of drop-in clinic and we had people dropping in throughout the day um, which was great and we talked all things schools all things houses and sort of ticked all the boxes and that was very much again talking about the you know the state sector and the independent sector where do you need to live for the for the great state schools where where do you need to live because uh, even though you know uh, the independent schools don't have a catchment area as such because it doesn't really matter where you live as long as you don't mind the drive they they do tend to have a catchment area but you don't want to be um, in a school where all the families live half an hour on the opposite direction because yeah. weekends become a nightmare all your friend, all your children's good friends live 45 minutes an hour away um, so you do sort of need to bear in mind where where do most where do most of the families live if they go to a certain school whether yeah. it's state or whether it's state or private to be honest yeah. um, so yes so i just i have my my website i'm on instagram which I'm terrible at keeping up to date, but I do try to, um, but that's my next step. You know, this is a young business that, um, and my next step is is embracing social media. Uh, <laughs> well but amazingly, I'm busy enough. So um, it, luckily word of mouth seems to have got out and I, um, so I am busy enough at the moment. And what ages do you specialize in? 
So my special so my specialism is pre-prep and prep so so anything from nursery up to um year eight um however my experience um takes takes you beyond then and and also when you're considering prep schools you very much need to consider your senior school options too um so i do i do cover you know discussing assessments and isb and senior school entry um, but my 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 real specialism and the the heads in the schools that I know well and that I visit regularly that those are the prep and pre prep schools. Yeah, um, it's quite confusing here. So we have primary school, which goes up to age eleven. Eleven, so that's year six. Yeah, which is year six, and then primary school goes into secondary school from eleven to uh, sixteen or eighteen, depending whether they stay for A levels or not. And then in the independent sector, you have pre-prep which is from four till seven, seven. Yeah. and then from seven to 13 which is year eight and then they go off to a senior independent school at 13 through to um normally to 18 uh something. and then to really confuse everyone you have the 11 plus schools yes. where you you which go up which you, you do leave um and they tend to be single sex um yeah historically were girls schools but now um, there are more co-ed um, and a lot of those schools they will have entry at year seven age you know if you're 11 plus or year nine yeah. um, and they will hold some places for the year nine entrance so if you are at a prep school that ends at year eight age yeah. 13 you you can you can stay at the prep school rather than having to leave in year seven yeah um, but it is quite complicated hence why, people, hence why people phone me up because there are quite a few Mind traditional you know. prep schools that do actually only only go to year six and yeah. then what do you do if you're if you're if you, they've got into a school because now you do the icb in year six you yeah. can have a place for two years time but no that, school to go to will you just explain what the is uh, the ISCB is yes is the um is an assessment it's, it's like um uh, it's all done on the computer now but it's a pre-assessment for senior school entry and on the whole most senior schools have now adopted it mm -hmm. and you register for the number of schools that you want to try out for and they all you sit the you sit the exam at your current school um online and all the senior schools that you've registered for can access those results and they will offer you a place or they won't offer you a place or they'll offer you a place conditional to interview or they'll offer you a place conditional to interview and 65% in your common entrance. So it's still quite a confusing minefield and every school is slightly different. Um, a lot of schools are dropping common entrance completely. Yeah. Some are just doing the core subjects. Some are doing all the subjects. So it's it is very confusing at the moment. Um, hence why it is useful to talk to someone who who knows knows how confusing it is and can talk things through. Um, so at, at the moment, it's still a bit of a mess. Uh, they are there are hundreds of conferences and meetings and discussions going on about the future of common entrance and what that might look like, and things are going to change. But the ISCB is here to stay, and some people love it, some people hate it. I personally think it's great; it takes the pressure off. I think the last two years of prep school, you can just really enjoy yourself. You still have the common entrance to work towards. You still have formal exams, but it's not got the level of stress that it used to have on these children. They've got a place. 
The schools know where they're at. They know what their numbers are. And therefore that helps families coming in who haven't done the ICB because schools know if they've got spaces. So it's sort of, it works, but it's it's still a work in progress. I yeah, would say. and it's sat at the school that they're at. So they don't yes, have unless, pressure. So exactly, but yeah. unless you're at a state, if you're in a state school, then you tend to go, you either, you'll go to a, a sort of testing place, um, which tends to either be in a, in a senior school or at a local prep school or even yeah. in sort of council offices. Yeah. Um, but, the, but the school that you're interested in will talk through yeah. where that might where, where the most suitable place to sit it is because it's all on a computer yeah. you could do it at home but I think you would need some kind of invigilator with you yes and I think did you work with quite a few people moving from the state sector into the independent sector yeah, not a lot but I do yes it's, it's one it's one sort of um, group of my clients so um uh, and they tend to want to know when's best to do it so there's a the classic slogan you know state till eight yeah. Um, which is still very popular. So um, eight is um, a lot of a lot of families would choose to send their children to a state school until they're eight years old, and then move them into the independent sector. Exactly. Yeah. And in our area, there are a lot of infant schools, um, state infant schools, which do they they either have a nursery or you start at reception, and they only go to year two anyway. So everyone moves on at eight, whether that's to a local junior school or into the private sector. Um, and it's um, quite lovely starting in your local village school. Exactly, you make local friends. And it's really convenient. It's lovely when you can you know, walk to school. There's normally a playground. It's a really special yeah. thing. So actually, I do think that that is- And a it's popular thing. in London too, um, where you know property prices and school fees are even higher than, than where we are. Um, or quite often they'll do your they'll do their local state school in London and then move out to the country for their for for a, for a prep school for a traditional prep school. Yeah. Um, so there's lots of options and it does it must sound really alien to those listeners who are overseas. Um, our, our independent school system in this country is respected and revered from from all over the world. You know we they you get pupils from from everywhere a lot of schools have sort of 23 different nationalities in them everywhere from Australia to Chile to Ukraine yes. and it um it, it just goes to show that it, it it is a fantastic system it is a shame that it has to exist to be honest yeah um because there are some very good state you know state provision can be really good in 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 England um, but you, it's all, it's like a massive lottery. It's, a, it's like that classic postcode lottery. And, you yeah, need it is. and, and I think if you've got, you know, driven children that are really happy to sort of knuckle down and work, um, Coco, for example, I'm sure would be absolutely fine. But yeah. I, know that, I know that Archie would, would probably not do so well because he struggles at school and finds it hard in the classroom and I think and in a class of 32 children he would he you know however amazing the teacher is you can't you know I was teaching classes of 30 children of which you know I'd have five who didn't speak well you know English was a, a second language I'd have you know four or five with significant special needs and that left 20 children who I didn't have enough time for yeah. um and that's just you know it's wrong yeah, um it is and it's just such a shame that it's like that um yeah 
Yeah. Um, but there are some schools doing a brilliant, brilliant job. So, you know, you don't have to be able to afford the fees to go to private school. But when you if you can and you want to, the provision out there is incredible. And we do have some of the most exciting. They're not those sort of fuddy-duddy old-fashioned schools like they used to be. The facilities are incredible. The, the education is modern, forward-thinking, some really great, young, exciting, enthusiastic teachers, um, some incredible heads who, you know, passionate about what they do. Yeah. Uh, and um, yeah, so let's get rid of some of those preconceptions yeah, um, and it's not all just for posh people. You know, it's not just because daddy went to Eton. There, there is, a, you know, it's a huge, much more diverse um, community within the independent school sector, um, and it's you know bashing through all preconception and prejudgments, uh, yeah. and um, you know, get out there and look at the schools and and see for yourself that they're, that, you know, they're not all sort of one track, non diverse. Yeah. Um, boring traditional places <laughs> so we've um, we've made a really really tough decision and I feel a little bit apprehensive about talking about this it's because it it has been a really really not not an easy decision at all in fact it's taken us over a year to make but um Archer's senior school choice um he we've chosen well we've chosen he has actually chosen to go up to school in Scotland he's going to go to Gordonston and I've you know, a lot of people have got oh, you're doing what that's crazy that's ridiculous you're mad um and and I think because Gordonston is a very famous school probably for quite a lot of the wrong reasons Prince Charles was deeply unhappy there yep. <laughs> um, and it used to be very old and very stuffy and uh but it has changed considerably we know it well because my husband was was at school there and we've often talked about it we've talked about moving to Scotland when the idea first came up I said absolutely no way unless we move to Scotland am I doing that but the more we looked at schools uh, locally to us and, and slightly further afield we kept going back to to Gordonston and as much as you can um, know at this stage, but I feel like it is the right fit for Archie. He is desperate to go there. He is so excited about oh, yeah. it. And it's a very, very different education, which I think will suit his personality and his character. It is very outward bound. That as the, the moment they arrive, they go off on an expedition up to the Cairngorms, literally on their first day. And they all, get to bond with one another they're yeah, amazing all over the world they get to sail they get to do so much community service they still have their own fire service they have their own fire service yeah. on on site they have um they have five lessons a day and then the rest is extracurricular things which are from the fire service from life surf surf rescue mountain rescue i can't remember the exact yeah, amazing. Time. They do a lot of community um, work. They have such a rounded education that I think it's preparing them for, you know, for later on in life in the best way. And because Archie struggles in the classroom, actually being up a mountain, being part of the fire service will really suit him. 
Massively. And, uh, you know, it has, it has been a, a tough decision because ideally I don't want him to be so far from home. But they have long holidays and we love Scotland. Simon was at school up there. My parents lived up there for a period of time. I actually went to school, uh, to school up in Scotland too when I was younger. And what was really interesting as I was walking around chatting to this boy that was showing us around and I said, oh, you know, where were you at school before you came here? And he said, I, I was at Gerloch High. And I said, so was I. <laughs> he couldn't. Uh. I had been there as well. And that he was from the same village. So they have people um, from all over England, all over Scotland and all over the world. And so it's, you know, hopefully it works out for him and, and is a great. It's an extraordinary school. I have, I've got three or four friends who were there and they are, I have, they are all my most outgoing, successful, um, just sort of insp inspirational friends. You know, one of them's rowing around Great Britain next week. Um, one of them actually holds the record for rowing around Great Britain already. Um, you know, they're, they're all, they're all entrepreneurial. They just, you know, they're all good fun. They, um, and I know I've just said, don't preach our schools from our generation, but I think, you know, when it's, it's a positive preconception, I mean, it, it's just a fabulous, a fabulous, as you say, all round education, not just focused on the academic. Yeah, and um, it's very much been led by him. You know, he wants to go. And I think, um, I often say this on my, on my YouTube, we've got, in fact, she's Scottish, um, she, um, she said to me when Archie was born, she said, you have to let your children fly because if you let them fly, they'll want to come back. And, you know, he wants to fly. He wants to go up to Scotland. And so it's our role as parents to support and encourage and, and give them the confidence that they can go and do these things. Yeah. Well, he'll have an incredible time, I think. Yeah, well, thank you. <laughs> it's been so lovely chatting to you. Thank you for your time um, and for joining me on the podcast. So I'm going to leave all of your details linked um, down below in the show notes. So anyone that wants to get in touch with you can. Um, your website, your Instagram, I think it's the best place, isn't it? Definitely. Yeah, definitely. So it's hettyparmer.com. Is it .com? Exactly. Very simple. Hetty with a Y. <laughs> and Hetty Palmer on um, Instagram. Hetty, uh, ha, um, yeah, or is it Hetty underscore Palmer? I'm not well, sure. We'll put we'll put we'll it. put the right one on. I have a I have a personal one and a and a um a work one. I think it's Hetty underscore Palmer. It's Hetty underscore Palmer. Yeah. I just double checked. Yeah. yeah. So that will all be linked down below. But thank you so much. It's been really lovely. Oh, well, thank you for having me. It's been so nice chatting. And um, obviously, I do a lot of chatting with my work. <laughs> so I just love talking about schools, and um, I'm just passionate about education, all types of education. And um, and for families to 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 make brave, happy, right decisions, and for schools to be flourishing with families that want to be in their school, um, and yeah, so right fit, because the school's got to be the right fit for the family and for the child, and, and exactly, works exactly, both, works both ways. Yeah. Well, Hetty, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I would be really grateful if you are enjoying my podcast if you would just take a moment to hit the subscribe button it helps other people know that we exist and I would be so grateful of that and leave me a review the more subscribers we have the more 
episodes I can put on for you. So please just take a moment and hit the subscribe button.